A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready. Welcome to this F1 subreddit Q&A. I'm joined, as always, by Matt Two Rumpets. How's it going, Matt? Uh, I think we're doing pretty good today. I'm kind of excited about this. You know, Reddit is subreddit and in general is kind of a big mystery to me. I mm. sort of tried to play with it a little bit, but honestly, it kind of scared me away. Um, I have been told off for breaking the rules, uh, blatant self-promotion, and just being a bit of an idiot. Uh, but here to help us unpack the mire that is the F1 subreddit, we've got a very special guest today, all the way from Brazil. But let me just take the opportunity to tell you that we are an independent Formula One podcast produced in this podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you race reviews before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong. But we're first. So to help us unpack the fiery flaming gates that is the F1 subreddit, we have with us the editor-in-chief of that subreddit's editorial team, Flip Jakobsen. Thank you for joining us in the shed, Flip. Thank you for having me. Now, we, uh, we alluded to uh, the scariness of the F1 subreddit. I think it's more that me and Matt had kind of wandered into it several times uh, a few years back, not quite known the lay of the land, and everyone had gone, oh, you, you're idiots, you're doing it wrong, go away. And we've gone, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, yes, that is uh, unfortunately a very common uh, experience for uh, people that join Reddit <laughs> because the website, which has millions and millions of people, um, has developed a certain culture um, th- there are rules, obviously, that Reddit sets, but every little subreddit, it's it's a little niche. So you have these, you know, evolving cultures within each one. And yes, sometimes you <laughs> wander in. It's like, oh, look, I love this, and then you know, you get shouted down and and thrown out and shown the door. So yeah, um, that can happen, but you know. It's it's still a great place. <laughs> For those unfamiliar with the Reddit system, basically people will put a post up and that will get upvoted or downvoted, which affects how likely it is to be seen by people. But also the individual comments can get upvoted or downvoted. So the most popular comments rise to the top. And generally mine get like minus 100 or whatever because I, I've got it, got it completely wrong. But the self-moderation within the community is, is fascinating. It is fascinating. Um, obviously, as your community grows, we run into a bit of problem, you know, because the upvote and the downvote system um, also, it can lead to very relevant things being downvoted if, you know, um, a certain group of people that do not share that opinion see that first. So uh-huh. there are um, 
a few problems with the upvote and downvote system, which we as moderators get yelled at all the time. But I, what I always say to people that complain about it is say, look, Reddit itself has been trying to solve this problem of, you know, people being downvoted when it shouldn't forever. So if anyone here has a solution, please bring <laughs> it up and Reddit's gonna give you is gonna give you a lot of money. But so far, nothing has truly worked. Well, welcome to anyone who's joining, uh, joining us for the first time from the F1 subreddit and um, and is hearing and seeing uh, Flip's face and voice for the first time as well. Thank you so much for responding with some questions for us to tackle today. Bear in mind, our season review is coming up on Sunday and is live at 8 p.m. UK time over on our Mist Apex uh, YouTube channel um flip we'll, we'll get onto some more of the uh of the the stuff that you're doing with that f1 subreddit because it's really fascinating going forward um how many users do you do you have uh currently we have subscribed users uh, of uh, 1.3 million Whew. but w- within reddit uh there are many people that do not subscribe because they'll get maybe have the the race results spoiled or anything like right. that so it's hard to say how many people are actually Active, following us, yeah. but subscribed, which are people that um, you know uh, are regulars within the subreddit to get notified of posts and things like that, we have 1.3 million. Well, I bet you're sorry you asked that question because now we both have subscription envy. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> oh, look, we won't we won't get into um, comparing sizes, Flip. Uh, the the subreddit is a Goliath, um, and they have provided some questions for you. But firstly, as well, I'll yes. say welcome our first South American panelist. We're very proud on Miss Apex podcast of our international panel. We've got panelists from uh, Sweden, Australia, France, uh, Belgium. Actually, recently with Tony as well. Uh, the Netherlands, Denmark, Canada and uh, America land. But you are our first South American, and you have turned up with uh, what I believe is the Williams of Nigel Mansell behind you. No. <laughs> oh, you've moved the microphone to reveal the a white, six. <laughs> it's the white six of PK. Come on. So in Brazil, right, in, in, in the UK, we get accused quite often of being biased towards the British drivers on our show. And, and I think to a yes. certain extent... There is an element of that. You know, we got much more excited about Lando Norris coming through than we did Daniel Kvyat coming through. For example, I'm imagining in Brazil, you you very much get behind your drivers, PK, Massa, Senna. Yes. Uh, Whenever I see the complaint about British bias, I (laughs) chuckle because the Brazilian bias here is amazing. Uh, It's much worse than anything you can imagine. Um, We... Uh, support the drivers no matter what uh it's uh when you're watching on tv it's really funny because they will call like oh yes and uh nigel menso has won the race congratulations to menso yes good <laughs> but and then when the, when pk was ahead or, or Senna was ahead it was you know you had to mute the tv because it's gonna explode your speakers um with the screaming and the the they play music uh it's uh, yeah there's a little bit of a bias. Okay, well, in that case, the first question uh, we selected from the post we put up and didn't get downvoted loads, the post. People were nice to us. So, uh, there we go. <laughs> this is from, uh, now it's you slash, so it's user slash unmesh data 26. Thank you yes. very, thank you very much for, for this question. Um, says Flip, so this is directed to you, of all the heartbreaks you've had in your life, where does Massa's 2008 heartbreak rank and given the context of our previous conversation i'm imagining quite high yeah uh it was the worst sporting moment of my life is it too soon to talk about it um that didn't not you know that didn't involve a serious accent or anything like that worse even that than my last high school basketball basketball game we lost because we were ahead uh someone tried to half court shot and one guy in my team fouled that person and we lost the game but massa's uh, 2008 <laughs> championship that wasn't as much much worse now um, uh, seeing the passion ugh. obviously of the um the the massa family in the in in that moment we kind of missed that i think in the uk at the time because obviously we were watching we were watching and paying probably a little more attention to what Timo Glock was doing because for us yes. our our driver that was the next the next car and you're going oh Glock he's on the wrong tires surely surely Hamilton's going to get there and catch him and for us it was just 
um, ecstatic, but the the scenes afterwards were a little odd because the focus was completely on Massa on the podium and not the new world champion. Yeah, um, it was. I was living in uh, the USA at the time, and so I was watching on mm. TV. But it was hard to see thousands and thousands of people explode when Massa crossed the line to win. I was like, oh, he's going to be champion. And then just deflate completely oh, when they saw that Hamilton was there. And and seeing Massa on the podium and uh, just... Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously I cannot fault Hamilton for, for it, but um, if Massa had won their championship, I believe that the motorsport scene here in Brazil would be different. Um, so, you know, it's, it's hard. Uh, I, I do not blame mass, uh, Hamilton, obviously. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, yeah, but, uh, in terms of ranking, it's definitely the worst sporting moment of my life. No doubt. I was going to jump in and say, we could do an entire three shows worth of whose fault was it really that Massa didn't win? And I was barely paying attention in 2008. I mean, you had the Alonzo thing. There was so much that happened across the season. Singapore. Yes, exactly. Uh, was Singapore, was that with the fuel hose? Yep. But also with the, um, with the, with the uh, intentional early pitting of Alonzo by no longer in the sport Flavio Briatore. And PK PK Junior, the the, yeah. the crash. Oh, sorry. Right. So where where was the deliberate crash? Was that at Singapore? Yes, it was. Yes. Right. I, I was thinking of the other incident where Massa still had his fuel line attached and he lost points there as well. So um, as a Hamilton fan, obviously I've got to obligatory point out that he lost points in Canada. I think for 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 handing back the place, but not quite correctly because that was fantastic. But yeah, what a season and. I wonder if the fates of British motorsport were equally as, as affected because in the 12 years since then, although listening to your voice, you would think it was five minutes ago, Flip, um, listening to your voice then. Um, in the UK, we're now really spoiled. There have been times where we wondered if there was going to be an F1 driver at all at various periods um, or we had um, Max Chilton or, or Anthony Davison at the time who weren't setting light to the F1 world but you know but were at least british but it was like eh. and now we've seemed to have this this conveyor belt of british stars do you feel like brazil might have gone that down down that direction if if massa had been like a megastar if he had won that championship i believe that it would have at least encouraged more uh drivers to develop because you know we are not a very a rich country in the sense that we have that kind of money to burn. So if you have more sponsors, you have more people being supported to move to Europe because it, that is still necessary. So it, there is a little bit of a financial commitment that I believe that if Massa had won, uh, it would be a little bit different. Uh, but we'll never know. No, and um, I mean we are, are we are facing uh, you know a, a period with no Brazilian drivers on the grid. So one question here comes from, uh, let's see, uh, AWT Turbo Guy. And he says, my question for you, Flip, is what's your ranking of the Fittipaldi family's F1 drivers from best to worst? Now, you're going to have to list them for me because me and Joe Sayward got in an awful tiz here. And I was mixing them up with um, the Franchettis as well. So, so why, don't you, why don't you put the, the Fittipaldi li- lineage out for us? Uh, Matt, what's up? How do you do that? I, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Just, what, they both start with F? Really? Pretty much. Um, help us out, Flip. Help um, us out in our ignorance. Um, so the Fittipaldi family um, started, basically they started the Formula One love in the country. That, w- that was them. Uh, Wilson is the oldest uh, son of Wilson Sr. Uh, I'll talk about him a little bit later. So uh, Wilson and Emerson were the first ones. And what years uh, Emerson. Oh, this is early 70s. Ah, Emerson started in 1970, uh, unfortunately, substituting for uh, Jochen Jochen Rindt. So that his success, Emerson's success, basically kickstarted the love of of, of Formula One that we have in the country. So in terms of drivers, there's no question that Emerson is number one. There's no doubt about that. Number two, I would put Christian. Uh, who 
had a pretty unlucky career. I would say he was very good. You can see based on his uh, IMSA results, he was a very good driver, but never quite made it. Uh, third, I would put Wilson. And I think Pietro is still a little bit early in his career to rank him anywhere. Yeah. Um, I was never really excited because I'd never felt like he would get the chance, but I think that his performance uh, substituting for a Grosjean, they were both very good. Uh, one race I actually watched on board with him and I kind of have hopes now that he will have a, a very good career uh, and not just be Bill Buxton's, you know, sidekick on post race shows. Um, so it's but, P- P- his name Pietro, yes. is it? Pietro, yes. Pietro uh, Fittipaldi. Now, his nationality is, is US, isn't it? Yes, he okay. was born in Miami. Right, but yes. you guys count him. You're like, no, it's a... It's a... No, well, he races under a Brazilian flag, so yes. So and you, you yes, we that. will count him. If he was born on Mars and, you know, he that's our guy. That, no, that's completely fair. That's completely fair. I think, um, yeah, it doesn't... If, if Hamilton uh, has prodigy and they are born wherever, it doesn't matter. We will still claim them, I'm sure. Um, but yeah. when you talk about national fandom, did you do that live watching the onboard? Is that what you did? You yes. Watched, so you watched... Yes. Oh my gosh, right. Okay, I think... Okay, any British people out there, tell me if you've just watched a whole race live from the onboard of a British driver. That is some... That is some fan pride um, there. That's well, great. I've been, I've been, uh, since we formed the editorial team, I've been, uh, doing that a lot, uh, watching the race and watching onboard with, uh, <laughs> with selected drivers. I w- we usually, uh, ask the writer assigned to lead the team in that race, you know, if he has a specific interest uh, on a driver or anything like that. And I will watch the entire race and, and make notes about that particular driver, um, you know, how it, how, the race went, communication between the engineers and, and things like that. But for that race, I obviously went with uh, with the Brazilian, yeah. Do you, do, you, do you think there's any element of of him racing under a Brazilian flag because he understands, you know, what it means to the fans in Brazil and the family? Or, you know, or is there a money link? Is there, like, Brazilian sponsors that would want that? Um, what, Kind of like uh, Albon. Albon kind of has that, you know, that discussion going. Uh, but I think considering the history of the family in terms of Brazilian motorsports, uh, I think he probably understood that their place in Brazilian, his, the history of Brazilian motorsport um, is very, uh, very important. Um, and he just, you know, knows that racing with that flag would, would, be a good thing i i was actually surprised at myself when i saw the car with the brazilian flag at, at how happy i was to to see it again <laughs> yeah. so yeah i mean matt gets that don't you every time haas enters shot you're like yeah america yeah that's exactly what that is I what you do. do i've seen no it. but it was exciting to have a team but i think really you know because it's long been a thing to convert more uh americans yeah to to watching the sport and and while the team is nice, I think you're going to need an American driver in the sport to really start capturing the eyeballs. And I think, you know, excitingly, there's a couple of up and comers right now whose names are being bandied about. And, you know, after we had Rossi, who, who really didn't get much of a chance, I, I think that's that's what you're going to need. So I can respect and understand where you're coming from seeing that Brazilian flag back out on the track again. It's nice to have because uh, because the driver is the narrative. Not so much the teams, even though they provide a lot of information for us. So just have a person to root for and not an organization is a big difference. And, and isn't it wonderful in Formula One? You know, if you watch just if you're a football fan, you tend to be watching, I don't know, you're watching Colchester United versus Cambridge United, for example, uh, which came up earlier in the week. Cambridge fluked it. Uh, Colchester United were clearly the better team. But you're, you're generally mixing with people from your own nation and, and your own culture in Formula One. And especially now in the rise of the internet that we've all seen come up in our lifetimes, uh, you, you get to go somewhere like Reddit and you're arguing with uh, a Brazilian or sharing condolences with an Italian and being on a panel between the UK, the US and, and Brazil. It's one of those few sports where we really are one world, aren't we? Yet we can still go in our little nationalistic pockets. Uh, yes, you. we can certainly do that. Um, although... 
there are so many countries that do not have their own drivers. Yeah. And it's really interesting in our community to see where uh, people lean. You know, we have a influx of Indian fans. Um, and it's interesting, interesting to see where they're heading. You know, are they supporting Hamilton? Are they going for a Ferrari? You know, it's, it's really interesting to see how those play out. Even, even with the Indian Grand Prix no longer being a thing, because when Formula E dropped the Battersea round, for example, as a British Formula E fan, I suddenly went, oh, so there's no, there's no British E Prix the series kind of lost a little bit of a spark for me. And I wonder if that has happened in places like Malaysia and India, Korea as well. It, it appears to have happened, but I think since Liberty took over and their push to, you know, make the sport more accessible and everything that they did with drive to survive and everything like that. Um, I think it really, really helped um, maybe reignite that love that, uh, the Indian fans had for Formula One, but we've seen a big increase um, from that area, the entire area of the world, not just India, but you know that the, the whole subcontinent. Right. Let's get let's get fighty. I think this might end up in a debate. We've got another question from you slash Lieutenant Jeffords, and we did we did touch on this briefly in our Abu Dhabi race review map. But I don't think anyone I don't think anyone tuned into the review because the general consensus was that 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 race sucked and, and no one liked it. For me, it's still two hours where my family will leave me alone. When Dad's watching F one, he gets special privileges. He's allowed to be a little bit grumpy. It's the only two hours of the week where they will tolerate me being grumpy and going, "No, shut up, turn up." Everyone turn the volume down. Quiet. It's Formula One on. So I enjoy it nevertheless, whether it's a thriller or, or not. And obviously you growing up in the 80s, Flip, you know, looking at these modern era races, they're all pretty much better than any race in the 80s or 90s. Um, I think the... I, I've always loved Formula One. I, mm. I I watched all the races. I love all of them. But Abu Dhabi is... Yeah. It's got some unique uh, issues, hasn't it? Yeah, it can get a little bit uh, dry. Mm. Um, this year, I watched on board um, with Science, so that was super fun because I, you know, I had all that the, the fight between you know the McLarens and Ricardo, so that was really fun. I I really enjoyed the the race, but um, I did not watch it again no. from the broadcast, you know, which that, I usually do. Like, that's eh, actually, yeah, because I think there's a few races this year where if you were flicking through the channels and you caught it, you would go, oh, let's sit and watch that again. Like Portimao, Mugello, um, pr- probably both of the Bahraini ones as well. Uh, but no, you're right. With the Abu Dhabi one, you go, nah, no, I'm good. I'm good. Um, all I'm yeah. saying is we can probably repeat some of the points we made at the Abu Dhabi and then go a little bit deeper. So you, Lieutenant Jeffords says oh that's from uh brooklyn 99 cool lately lately we've seen quite a lot of car versus driver debate which only got stronger after russell's strong showing in hamilton's car is the mercedes that good that anyone can do what russell did is russell that good or is bottas just really bad allowing russell to shine more easily i'd like to know what what you guys think thank you for that question firstly though what was the subreddit like in response to that certainly twitter was ultra toxic when George Russell was jumping into uh, Hamilton's car and was, on the face of it, doing very well, uh, everyone was like, see, Hamilton's garbage now. Uh, so, yes, that is a tricky one for us. Um, Hamilton has, let's say, some people that do not really like him for reasons that we try not to <gasps> assume what they are, but... Sometimes they're pretty obvious. Some of it's that. We can be mature enough to say some of it's that. That doesn't mean that if you dislike Lewis Hamilton, uh, you're just a terrible person. But we can't deny there is some of the community that does that. Yes. We are trying that subset of anti-Hamilton people we are trying to get rid of. But there are many people that are tired of him and winning, just like when Mm. uh, Schumacher was uh, dominating. So that's... obviously a factor is one here um but yeah um that day was not great (laughs) so what do we think let's get your hot take then because you you are you are um president for life of the subreddit no 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 you are the the editor-in-chief of the subreddit's (laughs) editorial team what say you then what did what did we learn if anything from george russell pumping himself into lewis hamilton's car does it prove one thing or another 
I do not think so. I think um, this car driver debate has been going on ever since Formula One started. Uh, you look at Fangio's career, he jumped teams all the time searching for the best car because without the best car, you're mm. not going to win. See, you know, you can be a great driver and still not win. See Alonso at Ferrari, Verstappen at Red Bull right now. You know, they are obviously great drivers and they cannot reach that pinnacle because the car simply would not take them there. Um, if Hamilton had spent the hybrid era in Caterham and Manor and you know Alfa Romeo, he's not going to win all the, the titles that he did. Yeah, doesn't mean that he's a worse driver. It just means that you know the car is not going to do it. So I think that debate um, shouldn't really exist because it's obvious that you need to parts. Because I think most people forget this. Since 2014, Hamilton has had the best car. Yes. The other guy has done so as well. Yeah. So his and teammate, Mercedes exactly. is a team that prides itself on being equal for both drivers. So, you know, there's something there. Well, I tell you what, we upset a few people here because we, we ran the stats on how the Ferrari would have done in 2017, 2018 without Vettel's specific errors. And, and it really did look in those seasons where we saw very few errors from Hamilton, it looked like the Ferrari had the capability to go and win those those championships and that the drivers made the difference. Now, people are going to yell at me and say that that's British bias. But one argument I have with Matt, um, this is Matt, I'm going to reignite an many. argument from 2017, I think, when it was Sorokin and Stroll in the Williams. And I was saying to you. You know, we can't we can't even say anything about that Williams because we the drivers were so off pace. And this is one of the wonderful things about F1 is you have to tease it out over seasons and seasons. And I was saying to you, oh, well, I think that that was a Q2 car. It's just that Sorokin and Stroll weren't weren't getting it there. But but it is possible that there are decent teams out there that for whatever reason, the drivers aren't sparking and it makes the drivers look equal. But really, it's the fact is they've, they've not stepped up to the car. Matt. Yeah. Well. I mean, if we're going back to that specific debate, no way was that a Q2 car, even in the hands of the best driver, because the, I don't agree. what a driver brings to the car in terms of the engineer will sit there and calculate all the forces and say, this is the fastest you can drive this car around a lap. And then a driver will get in it and inevitably will not be that fast because an engineer doesn't have to account for actually being in the car and the, in the trans, the the feelings transmitted by the car to the driver. Now, the more closely those feelings align with the driver, the closer to that magic 100% time they get. But no driver is so good they could take a car like that unbelievable dog of a Williams and make like a second and a half difference. Because, I mean, you, you can, we did not rate Stroll that much, but he's not a slow driver. And, and neither was Sorotkin. That car was genuinely, genuinely terrible. And so to bring it back to the Hamilton thing real quick for you, the thing about Hamilton in that Mercedes is, yes, he's in it, but he is possessed of a consistency over time that is unparalleled. He makes fewer mistakes and they cost him less across a season and across years. And that is that is the unbelievable thing about what he has achieved. And that is really where you see the difference with these drivers. It's not 1%. It's not half a percent. It's like a tenth of a percent difference. Yeah. But multiplied across a race, across a season, it's huge. And now Hamilton has had periods where that has not been true, uh, mainly going wheel to wheel with Massa, actually, oh, yeah. like 2009, uh, 2011, particularly bad. Uh, years for Lewis Hamilton and he seems to have shaken them out of his system now Matt thinks I'm going to let that Williams thing drop I'm not quite not quite but I'm going to pose it as a question to you Flip so he has no no chance to come back Uh, but um, in that era what we were sort of wondering was how much the engineers might have had their head down at not having great feedback from the likes of Stroll and Sorokin and how that might have actually affected their development for those few seasons Um, do you guys in the rest of the world, give Hamilton any credit for developing the Mercedes. You know, he could well be part of why that car is is so good. I remember in 2013, him giving very vocal interviews and saying he needed to drive the team in a direction of very, very high downforce. 
There was a story very recently, probably last week, about the suspension, the rear suspension of the Mercedes. And one of the points that really stuck out uh, to me, not that Mercedes did something brilliant, because at this point, we're kind of used to it. But it was that in everyone that reported that story had a mention of Lewis Hamilton has been pushing for this since blah, blah, blah. The, the more aggressive slow corner turn in. Oh. So it is obvious. Uh, and this is not just now. This is from forever. You see Jim Clark and Colin Chapman, that, that duo, obviously, you know, there's something there with the driver. It's not just Chapman's, you know, realizing what he needs to do. Obviously, the driver is doing that. Um, but I don't know. I can't say how much people give credit for Hamilton for saying that because, you know, there's, um, like I said, the discussion around him yeah. is complex, yeah. but I certainly believe that um, there's no question that he helps the team. He is a big, big part of what the team became uh, the same way that we give credit to Schumacher for creating the Ferrari, that the juggernaut of the early two thousands, you have to give credit to Rosberg, to 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 Hamilton and to Bottas for, you know, the, the helping the team be what they are now. I, no, not credit to Schumacher. Blame to Schumacher. We blame Schumacher for. Uh, <laughs> I, I do have loads of sympathy for people who are hating this Mercedes dominance, which is arguably worse than the early two thousands uh, Ferrari dominance. Um, but that was torture. Uh, for me, I I just thought you know Schumacher and Ferrari were absolutely they were the big bad, and I and and ever since it doesn't matter how far Ferrari fall or what they do or whether they rescue puppies from each track they go to. To me, Ferrari will always be the big bad dominating force that ruins F one. And and I wonder how many people will grow up thinking that of Mercedes F one. You know they are the Death Star, whereas to me, Ferrari are the Death Star. Yeah, I grew up uh in you know watching Formula One in the eighties. Ferrari was uh, I don't know, probably a sideshow. It was like, oh look, oh, right. Ferrari. I was like, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh McLaren, then Williams, um, then McLaren again. Um, so I can totally see that that happening. You know, people that are coming through, you know, in, into Formula One now are gonna look at Mercedes the same way you mm-hmm. looked at the the Schumacher Ferrari. It's like, oh, I hate these people because you know, they basically went too much. Yeah, no, I know. Right, okay, let's get back to the F1 subreddit questions. And um, uh, we've got a couple of good ones coming up. Um, We won't keep you for too long, Flip, but what we will ask, since we like you and you seem polite and uh, physically your hygiene looks fine, um, if you would join us on a regular panel during our off-season as well. And uh, it, it is wonderful having a Brazilian on the podcast um, because you've just taken us down, immediately taken us down, different paths and different ways of thinking Matt. yeah but not the quiz show because i'm already sensing he would clean both our clocks i have had words with our quiz master uh, about the questions and the level of questions i said catman you're making me and matt the hosts of the show look stupid with your questions could you just dumb them down and his answer was legitimately spanners i had already done that so Instead, I know, instead of doing a live quiz here on the show, what I was thinking of doing uh, was having some kind of webinar uh, with the quiz format where people can can join in and actively play and have a little pub quiz. Obviously, there'll be a bit of an honor system and we'll try and rig it so that there's as little time to cheat as possible. But we're going to do something like that instead instead of just humiliating me and Matt on an annual basis with our New Year's quiz. Uh, so, uh, Flip, I'm just going to go ahead and assume you've said yes, you're going to come and join us on our panel. Um, I can now That would say, be my pleasure, and I'm honoured that you would ask that. So, yes. Happy days. Let's go back to the subreddit, and it's you un- unseasoned racing. You unseasoned racing. What's your dream fantasy lineup for... 2021 teams who gets a seat now what what is your interpretation of fantasy lineup from this question flip i actually asked that person because if if there's no rules what i'm what i want is 10 fungio clones 10 clark clones and they can go at it so i asked you know is this people that have super licenses are these current drivers you know just to get the lay of the land 
Yeah, what was his response? He said that, yes, you know, drivers from now with super licenses that could actually uh, race in okay. the, the following season. So why, why don't we, why don't we my cloning Why don't project. we broaden it out slightly and say um, we can have a, a current driver and we can fudge the super license a little bit. We can say that we can put them in this series and they'll get the super license. Interesting <laughs> that you went straight for Fangio, though, because would you give Fangio... Uh, a career where he could start racing at eight years old, for example, get into a Formula One car at 21 and have, you know, the fitness and the modern training that drivers have. Or are you going to put like, Fangio didn't start his career till like he was 44 or something like that. Or he was quite old, wasn't he, when he started? Would you put that Fangio into the car? Um, how long do you have on this show? How, yeah, what's time. the time limit? We because, time. you know, if, if you're asking me that question seriously, I, I'm going to talk for like six hours. Okay, so, well, let's compromise and say a fair, few minutes. Fair warning. <laughs> go on, go for it. Um, I could never answer the question, who is the best driver in Formula One history? I vacillate between Clark and Fangio constantly, 1A, 1B, and they switch. Um, I think... Both of them would be what they were in any era that you put them in. They were just brilliant. Um, and I think if Fangio had, if Formula One was available for him mm. when he was young, you know, there's, there, there were, it's a long story, but, you know, there's trouble be, before he reaches Europe to race. Um, he would have won even more. So, yeah. And obviously, if Clark hadn't, uh, unfortunately had his accident at Hockenheim, I think he would have pushed uh, records uh, that were already far away from people. Um, he would just uh, crush everything. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. I tend to upset people with this argument because my my feeling is that there was just a smaller pool of people competing for those spaces. And now it's a a bit more competitive with a bigger pool of people. But actually, at the top level, that that pool is shrinking just of late. So I think we're going to see a decline in driver quality going forward at the moment unless something is done. So I just do believe that statistically, the modern drivers are more likely to have been more skilled than the drivers from that kind of era. Uh, but I think for me, if you want to put Fangio in that car for your dream lineup, I am going to insist that he starts younger, um, that he has the same fitness regime as the modern drivers, and that he's gone through karting and all that kind of stuff and up the, the same ladder, if you like, with all the access to the same stuff. So that's my only caveat to your fantasy lineup. All right. Um, so my fantasy lineup with the rules that were set <laughs> for me, and and I have to to give a caveat before. Um, okay answering is this after this guy retired i never really loved the driver as much so i want the new like i do not want veterans staying in formula one for 20 years like i want like people to come and go so my lineup is young heavy um i would like 
Ricardo to join Hamilton and Ooh. Mercedes because I believe that he can be one of the greats and I would like to you know to see him have the chance. I would like Verstappen to match with signs again at Red Bull, even though I know that car is hard. Um, they did the, their 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 uh, changes late in the season have made it a little bit easier to drive. Uh, but I would love to see them now that they're a little bit older and more experienced, you know, matched again. Um, I would like Norris to continue at McLaren, and this is a very Homer pick. I would like uh, Magnussen to go back to McLaren. Um, I love the Magnussen family and um, I would like Kevin to go back, you know, Me after too. everything yeah. that happened. Um, I would keep Aston as it is. I think uh, Paris and Stroll are fine. Um, for Renault, unfortunately, the driver I wanted is no longer um, available. Um, so, you know, Alonso and Ocon are fine. I, I'm kind of interested to see what Ocon can do after his year away. And, you know, he, he has been getting closer to Ricardo. So I, I'm kind of excited to see him go against Alonso. Mm. Um, for Ferrari, also, the driver that I would love to see there is also, uh, sadly, no longer available. So I would... Um, I would have loved to see Leclerc and Bianchi uh, ah, yes, together yeah. uh, at Ferrari. I think that would be one of the great stories of this era. You know, they they growing up together and, and reaching their dream together. You, you might have, um, obviously, a, a far second best to that, but uh, Charles Leclerc's younger brother is going to be lining up in F3 next season. And if you look at uh, Yuki Sonoda, who got announced for Alpha Tauri uh, this year, Sonoda went from F4 to F3 to F2 to Alpha Tauri, all in those steps. So, you know, it's possible. And obviously Max Verstappen just skipped Formula 2 altogether, didn't he? Or GP2 altogether. So you could conceivably have a Leclerc-Leclerc pairing at Ferrari very soon at some point. That would be fun. <laughs> um but yeah, I'm short of uh, Mika coming back because I have uh, one of our moderators. Hey, yep, um, really would like that sabbatical to end at some point. So uh, Leclerc Hackenen would would please me. But you know, that that could be good. Um, Gasly Tsunoda is actually one that I'm really excited for um, to see how that goes. Well, hang on a second, because we've strayed a little bit away from uh, dream lineups. And the next question is about how we think the team uh, battles are going to shape up next season. Um, so, Matt, do you have a fantasy lineup that you would like to see in F1? Yeah. What is but it? You're not going to like me when I tell you. I don't like <laughs> you anyway. Yes. Well, fair enough. Um, I, 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 un, un, unlike Flip. I would love to see Verstappen and Hamilton together in a team. Yeah, really? Because I think that's like sodium and water, if you ask me. Yeah. And the drama would be unrelenting all season long. And in the same car, there would never be the... Now, most people think, oh, that would be Verstappen in at Mercedes. But I say, let's be fair. Hamilton has the most experience. Let's make him go to Red Bull. And the reason is what I would really love to see. And this is a total fantasy. I would love to see Grosjean and Magnussen in at Mercedes to answer once and for all the question of what would happen if you took a midfield driver and chucked him in the best car on the grid. I tell you what, why don't we just put Verstappen and Hamilton in the Ferrari? This is our dream lineup. Let's just do that. Neutral ground. Flip. Yeah, I was going to say that... Um... I think for either driver, moving into the other driver's team is going to be hard. Shades of 88, you know, Senna coming into Prost's team. Um, so, yeah, I would go with your idea. Just move them both to Ferrari and let's see. Matt? I, I say, I say, let's see how good Hamilton really is. That's what I say. And yeah, I we could give him an extra season if you want, to be fair. But I, th I think that would be that would be mental. But yes, the two of them in any team. Would, would be one fantasy. And then the other one is, and I know I'm weird by wanting to answer car questions by putting in drivers, but honestly, I'm, I am a bit of a Magnuson fan. He finished on the podium in his first race ever. People forget that. And he, not, not, because, not just because he was promoted after Red Bull was tossed out for altering their fuel flow meter, but he genuinely finished on that podium in his first race. Not too many people do that. Not everyone forgets that. I say that every time his name comes up. 
you're the one-man band making sure people remember how good he is. Uh, well, yeah, Okay, we'll leave it with that as well. Uh, maybe he'll have a kid who'll come along as well. We can have, a, we can have the third Magnuson in, in a row. Uh, so, fantasy teams aside, I mean, I, my fantasy lineup would be a three-car team. So I, I would always want like a rookie, the main head guy, and then a, a, a kind of, you know, your Bottas Weber style driver. Sorry to Bottas and Weber fans. Because I just think that like having a three car team is much more interesting. You could have bigger grids. Uh, I would increase the podium. I don't know why the podium's only ever three, but you could have a, a five man podium uh, to get more. So you don't just have an all Mercedes podium. But I just think that would increase competition. And that's something I've always loved, Matt which people hate me for. I love the team element of Formula One. So if I was the, a, a boss of Formula One, I would always have a number one driver and a number two driver. I would never, ever do what you said of have Verstappen and Hamilton together. It's a nightmare. It's a team game. And I love it when they are able to interact, play wingmen for each other. That, to me, adds a whole nother crinkle of enjoyment and fun. Oh, yeah. The, the team element is omnipresent but the fun thing about formula one is that your teammate with whom you work most closely is also your first rival on the track and i think that's why there's always so much to talk about this one of the things that really drives formula one is there's this sort of unique tension that you don't see i mean you see them in the other single seater series but but aside from that you don't in sports cars and stuff like that you work with the other drivers you're all in the same car you have to and 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 yeah in in a lot of teams you know teams that are not um restrictive you actually get to see the telemetry of your teammates so you you know the guy that you most need to beat you can look at everything he's doing and try to do it better i i love that 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 aspect as well yeah that's the only reason matt is faster than me at i racing he looks at my he looks at my graphs he looks at my stats stop doing that that's it stop doing that all right okay last question because um the time's flown by with our new friend Flip. Uh, right, let's go for the question from Lord James BD sixteen. A little bit, a little bit presumptuous, Lord James. What? What? He's got George Russell after his name. What does that mean when you see a Reddit user and then they've got like George Russell or Mercedes? That is, that is called a flare. Oh. So you can select that in many subreddits depending on what their topic is. So for ours, we have all the current drivers. We have old drivers, we have teams, current teams, old teams. Um, we have um, personalities. Uh, my flair, for instance, is FIA. Um, but there are people that have Charlie Whiting. Uh, there are people that still have uh, the Nikki flair, the old one, and also Nikki, you know, the, the red cap of his uh, executive time. So, wow. you know, it's, it's, a, it's a way to signal your allegiance. Can, you, can you add podcasts to that? So can uh, I guess we can. <laughs> I'll put in my special request while we've got you here. Anyway, Lord James's question is uh, lots of interesting new pairings next year. And that's why I stopped you a little bit. Um, how do you see the new teammate battles going? How do you see people such as Lando and Charles doing? And how will it affect their future? And this person says, love the show, by the way, Spanner. So they know me. He's heard of me. Hooray. Thank you very much. Uh, and. And there's a little heart there. So it's like oh. true love. It's not just, you know, oh, I love you. You know, it's like it means, true love. It means something. Um, I'll, I'll start this one. Uh, the, the most interesting uh, pair up, I think, for answering questions next year might well be Lando Norris versus Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, the Renault team genuinely jumping up and down, just saying Ricciardo's done an amazing job. Sorry, Matt. Matt's an Ocon fan. Uh, but uh, Ocon's been shaking off some rust from his year off. I think Lando Norris might have a little bit of a a problem on his hands. I th- what do you think, Flip? I think Ricardo's going to be a handful coming in there and and taking him on. I think Norris is going to have a bad time. Not a bad time in terms of fun, because both of them they're going to have a mm. ton of fun together. I bet. But once the visors are down, um, I think it's going to uh, be tough to repeat what he did this year, beating signs and quality and, and you know, kind of matching signs. Uh, I believe Ricardo is going to take that Renault to, uh, that, sorry, take that McLaren to uh, places so? that it has not gone before. I, I think, I think that Norris is still a bit of a, a flower and he might just click over to that 
that next level next year. That's what we're hoping for. But you've got to do it. You don't get infinite chances in F1 unless unless you're a billionaire, um, which is half the good now. <laughs> uh, but so I think Norris, you know, this is next year against Ricardo. It's really important to him. He's the incumbent in the team and Ricardo is the one coming in. I think he's got to show that he's the quality driver people are hoping he's going to be. But here's what I reckon, Flip. I think Lando is still going to have an outright pace advantage. Yeah, and I think Norris, if he does well against Ricardo, will owe Sainz a debt of gratitude because I think that his time next to Sainz has really helped him improve uh, in certain qualities that he would take a few years to get there. Okay, cool. Let's skim through some of the others. I'll go to you, Matt, because I know you are Confosi. And a big, big challenge. And I tell you what, I reckon Renault are hyped for Alonso. He is a megastar. And Ocon, unfortunately for him, he hasn't got the same pull, that same political pull as Alonso. And as we know, Alonso is a political force. And I, I've got the feeling he's still going to be quick, tough for Ocon as well next year. Well, um, interestingly, the, the problem, the biggest problem for Ocon is that Alonso is and was and always has been associated with Renault. He's a big name, and as you point out, he will carry a lot of weight. Mm. Interestingly, I think this is going to be the same problem that Norris will face, despite having done a great job this year. Ricardo is an entirely different animal when it comes to reputation and his experience on the grid, his, and it will carry a lot of weight mm. at McLaren, even if they want both drivers to be treated equally. I, and, I, and, and yeah, I, I think that Ricardo is legitimately behind the scenes slightly evil as well. He's just not let it fully out yet. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think there's an element of bonhomie that covers up just exactly how his killer instinct behind the scenes. Yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah, I have a friend who refuses to accept that Ricardo is not evil. He's like, no one is that happy. Um, yeah, that's he me. Must be evil. Yeah, no, there we go. I've been pushing that line for ages and it's going to come out. It's going to come out at some point. Nice, lovable Daniel Ricciardo, just like he 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 farms puppies just so he can jab them with a, a short stick or something. It's going to be something, Matt. It is going to be something. But um, I will go back to Ricardo's experience moving from Red Bull to Renault. Mm. And, and it did take him about half a season before he really bedded into the team and started to just thoroughly outpoint, um, was it Hulkenberg at the time? if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and so I see two problems for Alonzo, despite all the hype. Problem number one, he's been out of the sport twice as long as Ocon has. That's partially probably offset by his years of experience. But still, if you're not driving around a racetrack at that speed, it's going to take some time to just get to shake the rust off, as you say. And, and the other is, it, it is a new team for him. He's going to have to get used to the car He's going to have to get used to the way the team operates now. And and it's going to be more of a challenge because they've had to redo things because of the new yeah. uh, technical regulations that are coming in for 21. And let's not forget, Alcon has improved steadily through the season. But when he was with Perez, who I believe you might rate kind of highly, it was pretty much a 50-50 battle. And he was faster in qualifying. So I don't think Ocon will be a pushover. Hang on. Okay, now you've brought that up strength. again. I'll make the point again. Perez's strengths are not necessarily out and out on a on a Sunday, on a Saturday. Uh, however, I think Perez did comfortably outscore him that season. I know you point to the quality battle. Ocon probably is faster out and out. Yeah, we, we could bring up the DNFs as well. Yeah, but yeah, that's, sure. that's, 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 we could go back and look at points per race. And in my recollection is it was pretty close considering Ocon was basically a rookie. Got it. Reasons. So Matt made the point there, Flip, about him coming into a essentially a new team. But there's an awful lot of personnel are still there from 2005 who remember him very fondly. And let's not forget that he took part in the young drivers test. Yep. So he did. that was a little bit strange, but, you know. Um, and the reason okay. from the FIA that I, as far as I could tell was that they gave him a caveat because of all the work he's done promoting and helping young drivers which as i understand is true but that's a stupid reason to give that caveat yeah um uh i am uh by professional lawyer and i can tell you that <laughs> that reason came after the decision was made i'm sure i'm sure oh we're running a little low on on time here so i want to make sure to send a current 
uh, Missed Apex listeners over to the F1 subreddit to go and check it out. But in brief, you guys also have a little bit of a, a plan. And the reason that you even have a uh, an editor-in-chief installed as part of the editorial team is that you guys have some exciting plans for producing content. And tell me if I'm wrong for having said that, but are you able to tell us anything about it? Um, yes, we decided last year to give our users the chance to talk about Formula One. Um, and it has been really successful. The Fittipaldi, for instance, when Pietro was announced, we ran a fabulous piece um, on the impact of the family, not written by a Brazilian, um, but it was great. Um, so we have been doing these things. We covered Lama as well with the people from the WEC subreddit. Uh, so it's been really nice. Uh, the response has been really good. And I think we found many people in our subreddit that can write and can bring um, a different view of things uh, you know, from a sport that unfortunately is moving away from long form journalism mm. due to the pressures of the, the industry. Um, and the, I think there are many people that have said that they kind of missed that, you know, the Mark Hughes Monday um, article that, you, you know, it took the whole lunch hour to, to read <laughs> because he went through everything. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of the the reasoning behind it and you know we're we're seeing people that we we were helping you know give, give them the platform you know scored you know i'm going to write about this i'm going to i was asked to write for x publication so you know it's uh it's been really um, oh people have been able to leap from that as well and and move on from it well that's yeah that that was part of the plan and it it has been happening which you know makes us really really happy and and proud of what they achieved so there's been a lot of changes i've noticed looking at that f1 subreddit over over the years and I, you and i had a long chat you know offline i was saying to you that subreddit with all its users it does have um, a massive opportunity to really shape f1 fandom and the tone of f1 fandom i've i've gotten upset uh, you know in recent years of certain publications just trashing f1 and like and being really ultra negative and kind of i i feel i i enjoy the race then i see all the negativity come up on social media and i go oh now i don't feel great about the race anymore it's ruined it but those publications have got their clicks and they've got their likes so it's it's job done it's not the individuals it's a big corporation whereas with that f1 subreddit you guys have got as much influence as a big publication yet there's a much more personal um drive behind it now to actually create a decent place for people to hang out and a a positive form of f1 fandom may well emerge from it that is one of the goals uh certainly uh not just to ensure that the discussion around formula one is a bit more informed a bit more uh, not so much you know based on the memes and which are fun you know yeah. we all enjoy having a laugh but um when i see for instance people saying um i don't know that the triple headers are you know people in formula one are babies because they're complaining that they have to travel from um next year i, th- I believe it's singapore russia and japan um back to back um i I feel like that um the fact that people cannot understand why that's hard it kind of means that they don't know that the level of effort that takes um that you need to to, for a formula one to take place Mm. um and so one of the goals is exactly to have you know uh, the, the the ability to talk more and to kind of get into all these little details while also trying to have you know less uh, a less tribal discussion you know between i'm a hamilton fan i'm a ferrari fan and so i hate you you know and, and have it as more end. of a more of a, a friendly thing rather than a you don't support hamilton therefore you are therefore you are scum that kind of thing but anyway exactly. look it, it looks like you guys are doing really great work there and one of the comments on the post we put up asking for questions uh, was from hey flow you slash hey flow as a female fan flip that's you, was the first mod who made me realize that the sub was actually listening to us and implementing changes to make us feel safe 
Uh, and that's a wonderful compliment just to you personally that I just wanted to end on, that you're making the subreddit a more inclusive place. Um, yes. Um, I, I'm not sure if I was the first, but, you know, I, I appreciate uh, the, the compliment. Um, but I believe that there's no reason for us to uh, close the gate on anyone. Uh, we are even though it's a large niche, we are still a niche sport and we cannot compete with football or anything like that. And I don't get us turning out fans because, you know, oh, you started following Formula One, you know, only because of drives to survive. Excellent. Oh, yes. You know, there was some gatekeeping over that, isn't it? You're only a drive to survive fan. Exactly. Therefore, you have less worth in the community. And I'm, I'm betting that women feel this in the way they are responded to on all forums in general but um, you know particularly in f1 that's very male dominated um so yeah I, I don't know what else i don't know personally how to make women feel more included and safer in those environments the solution i guess is just to listen to what they're saying and and you seem to have done that yeah exactly um we we listened we asked questions uh, not just of women but you know ver- various different um groups, yeah. groups that we felt were being um treated unfairly um and I believe that we are reaching we're not there yet but we are reaching a place where um everyone can feel welcome and for me you know I've been following formula 1 since 19 1981 and never in I in my life, have I said to anyone, it's like, oh, you know, you don't know anything because you started following in in 94. It's like, no, excellent. You're a Formula One fan. I'm a Formula One fan. Let's talk, you know, let's, you know, let's discuss this. And, you know, that's what I think communities like this should be. Even Americans. I think even we need to be inclusive to Americans as well. If you insist, fine. fine. Okay. Get them as well. Last question for you, Flip, before we go. Favorite non- South American driver of all time. Jim Clark. Oh, there we go. I thought you were going to struggle for a second there, but you'd already mentioned no, Jim Clark no, as well. No, that, <laughs> that is no question. Um, when I visited Scotland about two years ago, uh, we landed in Edinburgh. And the first place we went to, other than the pub, you know, I'm not crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the next place was I went to Jim Clark's house to, you know, pay my respects. And so. Wonderful. Matt? Current era, then. What? Current, Cur- current, current era, era. Formula One. This favorite decade. Driver. This decade. Favorite era? No, uh, no, 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 no. no, uh, no favorite I mean, driver. In this era, yeah. like in the yes. current regulation set, who is your favorite driver that is not South American? <sighs> going to make it hard I'm, now. I'm going to... 2008 me is going to hate current me, <laughs> but it has to be Hamilton. Ah, um, there we go. It, From a Brazilian as well. There we go. Well, I... I what... Um, so just a quick story. Um, when we formed the editorial team, um, we, you know, I, we, ne- we never knew what the response would be right from the community. So as the response was good and as Hamilton was reaching Schumacher's um, record, I decided to write a book chronicling all his wins and just going over everything that has happened since he started in 2007, um, you can't, um, he's just the, the best driver of, of this era. And there's no question in my mind of that. Oh, I didn't realize there was a book. Would you like to plug the book? Is it available? Can we, can uh, yes, we it? it is available on the subreddit. Um, I published it there. Um, it's called 92 wins because, you know, mm. um, and, but yeah, um, and my greatest accomplishment with this was that I got mentioned in a My Little Pony subreddit, someone recommending my book. And that was basically the best thing that happened this year. So. <laughs> that is absolutely fabulous. Flip Jakobsen, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you to the F1 subreddit for those questions. I hope we'll be able to do this again. Missed Apex podcast is a uh, an outfit that carries on all through the off-season. And actually, we have some of our most enjoyable content during the off-season because we are not... Uh, you know, we're not tied to the constant drumbeat of races and news and stuff as well. So I hope you'll come and join us from January. We've got our season review um, next Sunday. There might be a tech review that is released over Christmas because we team up with uh, Matthew Summerfield from motorsport.com and him and him and Matt here 
uh, do some great tech analysis as well. Then we'll start our off-season content in January. So I hope you'll go check us out. Follow us at MissedApexF1 on Twitter. I'm at SpannersReady. If you want to follow me, Matt is at MattPT55. And if you want to find Flip and his gang, uh, you go to reddit.com slash r slash Formula One. And that's how you go and find uh, the F1 subreddit. And there we go. If you're tired of Twitter, go give go give the subreddit a try. Not that you need advertising from me, Flip, I'm sure. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been my pleasure. And, you know, let's head into the off season now. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, guys, whether you see us for our season review or whether you're going to wait until March to come and find us for the 2021 season, I would urge you to work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Missed Apex. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.